Hello and welcome to Time Bandits. Time Bandits is the podcast where every episode we go back in time 40 years to the year 1980 to talk about a movie and some music from that year. My name is Greg LeGrow and I'm talking to Dan Gorman. What's the score, babe? 82 minutes. 82 minutes. That's a nice, that's a nice number. Yeah. That's how long it's taken me to get online. I'm <laughs> talking to Casey Lyons. What's the score, babe? Uh, also, 82 of the cleanest minutes you ever experienced. <laughs> yes. What's going on? Oh, man. It's n- the same as always. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, me too, except now filled with rage. It's been yeah. a terrible day. Before we go back in time, as we always do, I guess we should talk about stuff that we're into right now. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Did you figure something out, Casey? You were trying to figure it out while we were waiting. You were like, what am I going to talk about? Yeah, well, I figure uh, the the kind of most recent thing that I've been, uh, that we've been watching, my wife and I, uh, is it's from 2018, which is a couple of years back, but... Mm, uh, in your own little watched... time machine. <laughs> I know, right? Um, uh, we watched uh, the Waco miniseries. Mm. And uh, now I've never seen anything with Taylor Kitsch in it. So I didn't really know what he was or who he did or why he was or whatever. Did you see Snakes on a Plane? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Was he in that? Yeah. In Battleship. Was he one of the snakes? Yeah. John Carter. Hmm. Never saw that. Although I always meant I to like because... It. Yeah. It's not as bad as it's made out to be. I mean, it isn't. Yeah. And also it has that... Weird dog that looks like Mary McCheese. <laughs> Why do you think that that's not a selling point for me? Try, <laughs> I'm trying to sell it. To you. <laughs> oh well, then just say dog that looks like Mary McCheese. Uh, what are you talking about when you watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well. Uh, all right. Maybe I'll. Uh, maybe that, they'll put that on the list. But. Um, but anyway, this Waco thing, boy. So I always just thought Taylor Kitsch was just like, oh, he's just probably one of those, you know, nondescript Casper Van Diem actors uh, that uh, I can't distinguish one from the other. But man, is he ever wonderful as uh, David Koresh? He does a hell of a job, um, and it's a lot of fun to see Michael Shannon be a good guy. And uh, it's a pretty harsh critique of uh, the politics involved in the FBI and the ATF in in America and how those politics uh, gets a lot of people killed all the time. Yeah, it kind of was forgotten. Yeah, I don't think it got uh, like I I seem to remember, uh, Greg, I remember you talking about it on CNX Wednesday and uh, thinking like, because I remember the the news footage, you know, when it was happening, and I, I was telling this to Maya. It's like it's it's funny, but like David Koresh was largely a punchline, like a late night TV punchline. Like, oh look at this crazy yeah. cult leader. Like, oh yeah, and then also, what about all the children who die? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's it's not like the most artistic. Uh, you know, artistically done miniseries in the world. It's pretty factual and it's pretty like A to B. But uh, you know, if you consider how horrific the whole thing was, it's uh, it's a pretty fascinating watch. Yeah, it's only six episodes. 
and you got a culkin in there. <laughs> uh, oh, that's one. That's another thing that I wanted to talk about. Is the one thing that's distracting about it is, and Rory Culkin is great. Like he's he's really yeah. good in, in, in it. Um, but man, the most distracting thing is watching him turn it slowly turn into Emilio Estevez. I know. I was just gonna say. I think I, that's what I talked about when I watched <laughs> it a couple of years ago. I'm like, he's channeling hardcore Emilio Estevez here. It's crazy. It's really weird. Because <laughs> I kept going like, why do I? I want to watch Young Guns now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, I want to watch Young Guns. I love that movie. <laughs> Still never yeah, seen I, it. Uh, uh, Taylor Kitsch, uh, yeah, because I, I saw all those. I, I've seen Friday Night Lights and I, I had seen John Carter and I had to go to the theater to watch Goddamn uh, Battleship, which was. Yeah. <laughs> what a fuck. I didn't even say the thing. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this guy, he's not very good. And I was like, I felt like he was being thrust into too much. I'm like, you can't. It was like, what's his face from Avatar? Um, like, Sam Worthington? Yeah, it's just like, he isn't the guy you think he is. Just because he's handsome doesn't mean he's going to be action-leading man. But, so, you know, that happens. People who are very talented just can't do that thing. Like, Colin Farrell, when he's in, like, arty movies or small roles, is fucking great. Yeah. yeah. He's great. But when you think he's these noticeable. Like Hollywood tentpole movies, he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. He's bland. It doesn't work. The charisma isn't there. I don't know what it is. And so, yeah, watching Taylor Kitchen this, I'm like, oh, fuck, that guy can act. And same thing with Sam Worthington. I saw him in that uh, Unabomber uh, oh, yeah. miniseries. And he's terrific in it. Is that right? Yeah. How's Paul Bet? I hear Paul Bettany is amazing in that, too. He's very good in it. That thing's great, too. It's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think I think maybe I'll put that on the list. Title, but I don't. Uh, it, it was very good. I liked it a lot. It might be a good follow up after. And yeah, you can watch an actor who you thought sucked be pretty good. <laughs> uh, and I, I always love that. I always love it when I'm pleasantly yeah. surprised. Manhunt? Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think that's what yeah, it was called. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah, Manhunt. I'll jump in really quick. I've decided that uh, my thing that I'm thankful for and that I have been listening <laughs> this to. This isn't Thanksgiving, I'm thankful man. for the Lord above <laughs> and, and the mashed potatoes. And thankful for my family. <laughs> <laughs> and the peas and carrots. <laughs> um no, I'm going to make You're mine... You're thankful for all the lamest stuff at yeah, Thanksgiving. I <laughs> I'm going to make mine partially a plug. Um, so lately I've been listening to this podcast, the Movie Melt podcast, um, and they do like trashy movies, grindhouse movies, exploitation stuff, like, but also, you know, not necessarily super obscure either. So they did an episode on the wildlife from 1984. So, yeah, they do lots of different stuff. They've done, like, the Maniac Cop sequels and, and stuff like that. Uh, but so um, I'm going to be on an episode, and they had me watch a movie called QT World. Sorry, what? QT World. Fearless I am. slower, and I'm nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a movie from a couple of years back, and the reason why we're doing it on the episode of Movie Melt is because the host, Matt, found it on Amazon Prime and was like, what the hell is this? So if you Google QT World, uh, Fearless I Am, you'll find a trailer we'll for it. And Oh, is that that computer animated yes. thing that, oh my goodness. Yeah. Whoa. It's unbelievable it's all one guy made this movie and it is an hour and 52 minutes i watched the whole thing for this episode i've never seen anything like it but 
you'll want to hear the podcast episode and then decide for yourself if you want to watch it. But I'll tell you this, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And I kind of loved it, even though it's like, (laughs) holy shit. Like, (laughs) but, um, in general, I just wanted to plug the movie melt podcast. If you go to, um, go, go companeros, C O M P A N E R O S. Cause their, um, their network is called companeros radio network. So go, go companeros.com. Um, it's a really great site and they, they lean in a little bit on the, uh, soundboard, but all the soundboard clips are from like weird shit. So it's listening to the episodes all in a row. It's sort of become like now I have all these like inside joke clips that I think of in my head when things happen. Like they use a they use a French clip from Wayne's World of 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 Garth and Wayne going swing, but in French. And it's it, I laugh. Every I had no time. idea there was a French word for that. It's it's swing, but with a French accent. They just go swing, swing. It's the best. So. Yeah, Movie Melt uh, podcast is is a whole lot of fun, and QT World is unbelievable. But yeah, check out the podcast. They're great people. Yeah. How about you, Greg? Oh, I saw that High Fidelity show. Oh. Hmm. I've been he- yeah, hearing good things. Habits. Yeah, so it's it's based on the book, uh, which I read and was very obsessive about, and then the movie, which I was also very obsessive about. Yeah. It's good. The show's good. Um, it's really weird, and like I get really taken out of it when uh, they're doing like line for line dialogue from the from the film script and from the you know that, that I'm very very familiar with and have sort of imprinted in my brain from watching it <laughs> so many times. So it, that's really weird. Like the first season of The Office was really awkward to watch. Yeah. So we started watching the show and then we got all Athena and I decided to watch the movie again. So we rewatched High Fidelity, which is still just fucking terrific. What a what a terrific watch that is. And boy, is it funny. So I was really I, I get taken out of the moment a lot whenever they were doing specific dialogue or like reworking famous scenes. I just I was like I don't like it, but when they get away from that and they're, they're telling their own story, it's very good, really good uh, and interesting. And the performances are good. And she's great. Zoe Kravitz, it's, it's a hard thing to do to do that talk to the audience. Yeah. The wall. yeah. So, but she does it well. She does it really well. Um, but yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I, I imagine there's going to be a season two. I'm looking forward to it because it's getting, they've kind of milked out the, uh, the all the kind of iconic scenes from the movies. I mean, yeah. They're in their own territory and I'd really like to see that. That's a, it seems good because when again when when they're doing their own story it's really good so high fidelity the tv show thumbs up waco thumbs up and movie melt podcast thumbs up yeah check them all out how are we going to go back in time yeah how are we going to go back in time to 1980 Uh, we're going to use some uh, donnie darko chest worms okay but hold on aren't those a little inaccurate (laughs) they might be whip them out (laughs) okay Why did you <laughs> throw mine up? Somebody puked on the way out and then on the way in when we got here. <laughs> what a fun conceit we've built here. Mm-hmm. This doesn't look like 1980. What the heck? No. Why do I have all this flannel on?
It's this thing, all this flannel. Oh, my hair is long again. It's uh, my I have, I have hair. Uh, it's December twenty first, nineteen ninety four. Why am I smoking outside of a high school right now? Oh uh, yeah. Why am I nine years old? <laughs> December ninety four, a broken time machine. Oh, I told you it was inaccurate. I foreshadowed that. We can go see Nell. Yeah, wonderful. Hey, what's your favorite line from Nell? Some ass. <laughs> Have you seen Nell? I've actually never seen Nell, but I I know the jokes. It's really hard to get. She's committed and doing it like she's a wonderful actress, but it's a little like, what in the fuck am I watching? <laughs> um, yeah, we could see Immortal Beloved or uh, Dumb and Dumber or Mixed Nuts. I wonder if Immortal Beloved, because I, I loved that movie when I was young, but I wonder if it's one of those movies that's just like, you love, it's like, oh, this movie makes me feel like a little smarty, so I like it. <laughs> I wonder if it's still good or if it's like, ugh. I've seen it since then. Yeah, Bernard uh, Rose. I don't know. So. Yeah, look at uh, and Nick's not. This is the end of Steve Martin makes good movies. <laughs> yeah, like, you get that brief moment of Bowfinger where you think, "Hey, he's gonna be funny again," and then nope. Uh, yeah, no. and then you get like, the oh, Ambergris part in uh, Pink Panther, oh, but yeah. that's it. I enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, it's always funny. This was like L.A. Story. L.A. Story is great, and then, mm-hmm. that movie's dope. Here we are, mixed nuts, yeah. and then a series of. We could skip all those and rent a movie. Let's just cuddle up on the couch and rent a movie. Yeah, Tammy and the T Rex, uh, maybe. Smokes, yeah. Let's go. Tammy <laughs> and the T Rex from uh, the director of Mac and Me. Everything in Tammy's life is just great. But when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated, especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep. That's my lady, all right? Late night phone calls. I want you to come over. Yes! Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door? Don't worry. Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor. Well, that's it. Who turns out to be a mad scientist. And if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right? With an insane invention that only needs a brain. Yes! But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal. That is my dinosaur that you are threatening. I made him and he is mine. What are we going to do? I will give you... If Tammy has anything to say about it, Tammy and the T-Rex. Hey guys, instead of Tammy and the T-Rex, let's watch Tanny and the T-Rex. Tanny. Yeah, that was all, all of this was confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Denise Richards. Paul Walker. Uh, young Paul Walker. Young her too. Young everyone. 1994. So it's a movie about a girl who's with a bad guy. She likes the new guy. But then, you know, he gets stolen by a evil scientist doctor, and they take his brain and put it inside a robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex. And then he's mostly, he, well, he has to have some revenge, but also find a new body for his brain? Yeah. Is that one? That's the movie. Yeah, one that's not a dinosaur. A tale as old as time. Um, and this, when it was released, was edited to be a, like a kid's film. Yeah. 
they took all the gore out. It was shot as an R-rated comedy, and they took all the gore out of it and then kind of left the weird, awkward humor in it. <laughs> I can't imagine what that watch is like. <laughs> Pretty funny. It must be very short. <laughs> a short movie. Yeah. Uh, it's like... Every it, scene, I was like, where's the scenes that they left in? Because there's always something. Yeah. Well, they they leave in a lot of the weird sexual humor, and then they just kind of cut around the gore. So, like, the scene where he gets his head cut open and they take the brain out, it's just kind of like they cut away before any blood happens, and then they I think they, like, don't show the skull open, and then they kind of cut to him carrying a cartoonish brain. You know, they just, like, kind of chop out the, like, the 25 seconds of extreme gore. <laughs> the fun thing about this movie... So Stuart Raphil, the director who also did Mac and Me, oh, and he also did Ice Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which well, rules. This happened for Ice Pirates as well, but he kind of became a guy that they would come to when they needed a movie that would be lower budget than the plan. And and then they could also have somebody like uh, who was a writer and director. So when they were making Ice Pirates, it was going to be called The Water Planet. And they were like, this movie is a 17 or $18 million movie, but can you come in as a writer-director and make it for $8 million? And he was like, okay. And then because he was able to do that, he was able to kind of like make it a comedy as well. And that's kind of what happened with Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> the story is basically that a guy who owned theaters in South America came to Stuart Raphael and said, I have a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, they're going to take it to a park. Well, in first Texas. he was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> but he was like, they're going to take it to like an amusement park in Texas, but it has like movable eyes, it, the head moves. And so make a movie with it in two weeks and write and direct it right now. And then Stuart was like, all right. And so he kind of had to come up with everything on the fly really quickly and then also like come up with all the comedy and just sort of like it, it was a very seat of your pants which i think comes through in the way that the movie is really wacky but the, this movie for me i feel like sits in a really interesting place where you know there's all these movies that like try to be bad movies like sharknado and then that never works but then there's movies that sit between like knowing that they're bad and, and having humor about the weird things that they're going to do. And then also just like, you know, then there's movies like The Room, which are just complete failures. And I feel like this has this really fun straddling where, you know, like he knew he was making a B movie. He knew he was making something silly. And so he leans in on the silliness and, you know, has a dinosaur fucking dialing a telephone. <laughs> and I'm like, all about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The coin slot, the coin return was a nice touch. Yeah. Although that was totally lifted from Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, th yeah, this movie, f <laughs> this movie feels like it was, uh, uh, you know, made up as they went along because none of the comedy, and I use comedy in the loosest <laughs> sense, um, it, it, none of it is like situational because like nothing funny actually happens, but they kind of, it's like they kind of go, everybody act very silly. Uh, and then so you've got that. The, you know, the 12-year-old scientist, and he's, who, by the way, uh, played Isaac in Children of the Corn. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, so he's just, is just very broad and weird and uh, very off-putting. <laughs> um, it's like, it's not really jokes, but they set up these weird 
scenes that are amusing to stare at. Like, when <laughs> yeah. you get introduced to Paul Walker and the evil boyfriend, the way they're going to show off that they don't like each other is they get into a fight. And it's not so much a fight as they just squeeze each other's dicks. <laughs> like, like... A while. Like, yeah, like literally. A long time. A like, long time. Each, it's like they, it's what they went there to do. <laughs> like, a like you, you know, you tussle around a bit, and then you, I grab your dick, you grab my dick, and we don't stop until somebody has a boner. And, uh, <laughs> Where are you going, Billy? Are you going to go fight that guy? Eh, sort of. <laughs> I mean, it's a testicular standoff. <laughs> it was extremely bizarre. The dick squeeze. Yeah, it's the the story is so stupid that it, you know, even though they're leaning into, it, they know how stupid it is. It just it's so stupid. It's still like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's, it's real and movie. just nothing happens. It's really like, no. you know, this guy gets his brain put in an animatronic T Rex, and then yeah. they go some places. Yeah, he the end. I, sexy dance. The end. Try and pick a pick a body. So they basically, you know, after he gets his brain put in a Tyrannosaurus Rex, he murders some people and escapes, and then decides that he's gonna like get revenge on the people that killed him. But then him and Tammy also are trying to find him a body, and then that kind of sets up the like Doctor Walkenstein or whatever his name is is like trying to find the T-Rex and that leads them all to like the end of the movie basically. There is like that big scene at the party I guess where like he shows up and murders a bunch of people. I really enjoy the scene where uh the muscle dude gets squished and then the 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 assistant Helga rolls him up like a little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that was that like th- this movie is somewhere between a trauma movie and a drop dead Fred. <laughs> Definitely. I well, so like basically for a really long time, the the version with with the violence, as we'd mentioned before, was not lost. But like for years, you could go on YouTube and find a really, really poorly dubbed copy off of like a VHS because I believe it was shown on like Italian TV or it was released in Italy in the uncut and somebody was able to get that copy and then i also believe some people made fan dubs where they they had like just that stuff put into the normal version of the movie um but then vinegar syndrome released a 4k blu-ray and they had to track down like the guy who owned it and they had to like go through months of haggling to get the rights to release it but the original cut from the director like they had that in a quality cut so that they could like you know scan it into 4k and now tammy and the t-rex exists in extremely high definition which makes me very happy (laughs) there's lots of movies that you watch where you can tell okay they had to make this and they had no idea what they were doing and and it sucks but i but there's there's a element to Tammy and the T-Rex of like he didn't plan to make a movie and want to make it for years it's there's an energy to this movie you know of like I have a T-Rex I have these locations I have these actors like what are we going to do and sometimes that can lead to movies that are incredibly boring but sometimes it leads to movies that are like no no other movie and I feel like that's why I like Tammy and the T-Rex so much (laughs) yeah no it's it's a good time (laughs) <laughs> there's some, uh, yeah, there's some sort of enthusiasm going on that I can just get behind, and it just, <clears throat> just like once you're looking at, you know, an hour in, you're like, this is what we're doing, huh? <laughs> and then the ending is just being his to get Paul Walker's brain in a, a little bowl, and she does 
strip teases for it, and they're just like good with that. <laughs> and the movie, and it causes the brain to spark, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah. getting a brain boner, <laughs> yeah. a broner. I I love this movie. It's a good time. Everyone should see it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. What did you, what did you learn from uh, Tammy and the T Rex? Always check the coin retrieval, <laughs> even if you have little itty bitty T Rex arms. Uh, I learned that the T Rex is. Uh, when operated by the human brain, quite successful at charades. <laughs> I learned that Terry Kaiser doesn't have to be dead to steal a movie. <laughs> I concur. Well, there's got to be a lot of good music to listen to in 1994. I know. A nice uh, 1994 mixtape for everyone. We, yeah, let me see if I've got a cassette tape in the pocket of my flannel. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to get a 90-minute tape, make you a good one. Oh, oh you're going to get it. What are you going to get? Like a Maxell or a Panasonic? Yeah. Those gray Panasonic ones? Actually, you know what? I might take the uh, I might take the Pretty Woman soundtrack and put some tape over those little holes on the top. Oh yeah, and then you just tape right over tape it. Over that. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure mine has that DBX noise reduction on it, <laughs> so it sounds extra good. <laughs> I'm gonna pop it right into the Hyundai Walkman that my dad got me for test driving a Hyundai. Oh, I'm gonna listen to mine in the Dodge Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a uh, Sony Sport Walkman, but the door has broken off, so I have to hold the tape in and press play and keep the tape there. It's worth it, though. Did you all ever have one of those like big yellow ones, like the sporty bass boost that's, ones? That's the Sony Sport, yeah, isn't it? Those with the fucking, yeah, the door came off, so I couldn't close it. Oh. <laughs> you could still press the tape in, and if you held the tape down and hit play... Then the the mechanism, you know, would grab onto it and play the tape. It would work. You know, yeah. Cool. Like, you could fuck it up pretty good. But, yeah, <laughs> Sporty. Those for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then save your battery power by rewinding with a pencil, of course. There you go. Yeah, it's sad that the, the youth of today will never uh, experience the heartbreak of when you just need to get through, like, the last hour of a car ride. And then your Walkman starts going... Pour some sugar on me. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to Def Leppard, by the way, in that <laughs> oh, I scenario. Walkman just said that to you in a weird voice. <laughs> like, whatever you say. Paul Walker? <laughs> why are you in my Walkman? Oh, Paul Walker, that's why. <laughs> More like uh, Paul Walkman, am I right? You made it. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> oh, took the long way, but I well, got I there. I do appreciate not having to covet AA batteries anymore in my yeah. life. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so to the point where whenever I have to change the batteries in like a remote or something, I'm like, what the what year is it? Yeah. <laughs> why why am I fucking around with batteries? <laughs> yeah. Um I I so because 1994 is such an insanely stacked year, we've opened it up for uh one extra song per person for the playlist. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good playlist. Yeah, but we're only going to talk about day. one on this episode. Yeah. As yeah. usual as per usual. As per usual. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. You should. Um, this, uh, this album, it was a very, very important album to me, uh, because I was a very, very big Pixies fan, but I think I became a Pixies fan right when they were on the way out. Hmm. Um, 
So, uh, like, I remember the day that I found out that the Pixies broke up, or sorry, that Pixies broke up, um, and, uh, you know, I remember exactly where I was and how bummed out I was and everything, um, but, uh, but then, you know, shortly after that, maybe a year or two after that, I can't remember exactly when, uh, the first Frank Black album came out, uh, that came out and I was like, this has amazing songs on it, but it's not, it's not a Pixies record. Um, I mean, Trump Lamond is more of a black, uh, or a, of a Frank Black record than a Pixies record, but, um, but yeah, I was just, I was a little uncomfortable because I was like, mm, this direction feels weird to me. Uh, but then by the time Teenager of the Year came out, which is 1994, I like that album fucking blew my mind because it is so, it's so wonderfully written, so catchy. Like it is such a great pop record. Um, but you know, pop of the time. So it was a little bit, you know, kind of obviously guitar oriented. Um, Joey Santiago is still all over the record. Um, but it's a lot more, I think, accessible than Pixies. Uh, and, uh, so the song that I'm uh, taking off of it, which is really difficult because it's, it's got like 18 songs or something on it and I love them all. But uh, the song that I did settle on because, uh, it was a big song for me because I learned it on guitar back then. I used to play it all the time. I love it. It's a song called Banishing Spies. is a, a, just a great song. I mean, I could have picked Headache, which was like the single off of it, which I guess was moderately it's successful. Great single. Barely. But man, is that a good song. Fuck it's that. such a good song. It's a it's an absolutely wonderful song. And actually, tonally, feels a lot more like the self-titled first uh, album. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, but then Abstract Plane is another song that means a lot to me, Thalassocracy. But I, I settled on, on Vanishing Spies because that was one that in 1994 I was, you know, playing on the beach to impress girls and stuff. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. The song that always sticks in my head off this album is Freedom Rock. I don't know why that... Oh, that was actually very high in the run yeah, for me as well. I love that because song. Because it's the movements in that song yeah. are really, really wonderful. Totally. Because it just shifts gears at one point and then, and then just like shambles back to, uh, <laughs> you know, this kind of great soaring thing. Yeah, this this album, I was late. I feel like to Pixies as well, but then also late to that. Like this, it took me a long time before I circled around to Teenager of the Year. But yeah, it's such oh, a good too. record. Yeah, I didn't pick it up until uh, Casey had uh, sung his praises so much. I, like, I like that headache song, so I'll give it a go. I think maybe because yeah, it has so many songs, that was a little bit of a like daunting task because there's like 22 or something on it. Yeah, um, but they're all great. There's a couple that are less great than others, but I listen to every single one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really ever skip. I'll go next on the topic of guitar music. So I'm picking a song off of the 1994 album by a band named Unwound. The album is called New Plastic Ideas, um, and this is a band that I was tipped off to a number of years ago, probably at least like um, I must have been late college, early, just have graduated college, um, 
And so I was tipped off to them because somebody pointed me to a record that they made called Repet- uh, Repetition um, in 96. The, the, the person that told me about that record had said basically Unwound are, you know, one of the best bands that you don't hear people talking about. And I was like, oh, cool. I want to see what that's, what that's all about. So they're, a, yeah. they're, they're kind of a post hardcore band. Um, but once I got into repetition, I, I started to get into all their stuff and about, yeah, I just, I just listened to these guys for the first time, like four months ago. Yeah. They have a bit of a resurgence right now in, in coverage because, um, Numero group released a box set of everything that they ever did. Oh, and cool. it pushed it really hard and like all those albums got covered by pitchfork and stuff but they i i would put them and this is probably very like sacrilegious and stuff but i i put them on a similar level to like sonic youth fugazi dinosaur jr like i i think they're so so good um they're very like they have such a really interesting career you you can really listen to them and hear them go from just like oh they're a post hardcore band and they're kind of emotive and they're dissonant and they're loud and noise rock and and you can listen to them go all the way up to 2001 where they released this like ambient weird sort of masterpiece that everybody talks about but the song that i picked um for this record i believe i picked envelope track but this this album new new uh plastic ideas is really when they start to to open up they start to do really weird time signatures they do like stretches of the album that are really pretty and really kind of you know a bit more open and less noisy and then you know they juxtapose that with really loud and aggressive moments and i love unwound a lot and they they have a lot to dig into so if you're interested yeah, and you cool. like this one song check out more of their albums cool i'm gonna yeah um so i picked um i went with uh, a track from the nick cave and the bad seeds album at love in i went with uh lover man Because it's the best song in the whole fucking world. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, my the pick songs I picked, and I think we all kind of picked like a little bit of a kind of you know, grab some other things that maybe you forgot about, or some you know some deeper cuts, or like you know, if teenage of the year was nowhere near as big as it should have been. You know? Yeah, a good one to yeah. draw some attention to. And not that Nick Cave needs people to draw attention to him; he's fucking playing big stadiums now. But uh, it's still just so good. I can't, I can't not. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun playlist. And I'm glad we have these kind of oddball tunes on there. Yeah. Loverman, I feel like, is the best one to go to for this. I love this entire album, but Loverman just has everything that you want out of Nick Cave. It's a little bit theatrical. It's super fucking dark, but also really clever and kind of funny. And it has these huge creeping sprawls and then burst into it's like this massive explosion of intensity. And my favorite thing about this song, which helped me pick it, was uh, after each chorus, he does a little thing where he, he runs through the, the the first letter spelling out lover man 
you know, L is for love and O is for, oh, yes, I do. Mm. And this, the last time he does it, he does a thing that I'm just like, fuck you for being so cool <laughs> with this great wordplay stuff. So as he's spelling it, as he gets to, in Lover, as he gets to Man, uh, it's M is for that which is mine, and A is for any old how, darling, and N is for any old time. <laughs> I love that fucking little play, because there isn't an N in any old time, but just the sound, he uses the sound, and fuck you, that's so cool, and why'd you think of that, you son of a bitch? <laughs> and I just, I love that deeply. A is for any old how, and N is for any old time. That's very, <laughs> very good. Um, yeah, it's a ferocious, ferocious song, and it's just a deep record. What I love in was my, my, my entry point album with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and Loverman's. I don't know if it's the best song in the album, but it's the best one for now. So somewhere I had read that he, like, and this was always so surprising to me that they, when they were recording it, they thought that that was going to be like a throwaway song or something. Hmm. But then they leaned into it or something like that. And yeah, it's just, it's always interesting when you hear an artist be like, yeah, I didn't think this was going to be anything. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, just a beast of a song. All time. Sweet. So three songs. Nick Cave, Unwound, Frank Black, and a, a million other songs in 94. It was an unbelievable task to try and pick five. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. good year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like I was mentioning in our group chat, not only is it like an amazing year, but like every genre has its like hugely defining stuff. So it's like if you were into pop punk like I was like, you know, going back to 94, there's like a huge amount of seminal albums in pop punk. Or if you're into hip hop, there's like so many albums that like blew the doors open of what like hip hop was, whether it was like oh, yeah. Diggable Planets doing their follow up or like, you know, just like all these the people. First outcast album. Yeah. It's just what a crazy year. Ill communication. Totally. Yeah. It, it, I just kept going down the line and being like, oh shit, the Stereo Lab album. Oh shit, this album. Oh shit. <laughs> but it was fun. Mm -hmm. All right on, man. Well, now I guess we'll have to get our stomach worms back. Whip them out. Oh my god, we're back. Back in 2020. Lots of stuff for you to check out. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to do a movie this week? Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. We'll, we'll do that. Thursday night, the 14th of May. Let's yeah. 9 o'clock. Check out Time Bandits Pod on Twitter or Facebook, uh, Time Bandits Podcast. We'll post a link and we'll watch a movie together. Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise, uh, we'll see you in time, bandits. <laughs> see you in time, bandits.